Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Tuesday, June 29th. Hope all of you are doing well out there as we uh, speed down toward the July 4th weekend. Independence Day, always a good weekend. And uh, like I've been saying, you know, this year we've got a, a lot of Gamecock news we've got to track and uh, talk about. You know, normally it's dead <laughs> out there. Uh, and you get to go grill some burgers and Franks and shoot off fireworks and kind of get ready for SEC media days and all that. But that's uh, certainly not the case right now. And, you know, as we continue to move forward with the early signing period, and this year was different because of the pandemic and the fact nobody could recruit uh, until June 1st. So, so you almost had like your junior days type of events and your, your spring evaluation all in one month. Um, and so that's obviously going to be a flurry of activity. Plus you're, you know, chasing after transfers and things like that, like Haran Prunty trying to get ready for the coming season. So it was a, a whirlwind of a month for Shane Beamer and his staff and really every staff across the country uh, in terms of football recruiting. Uh, and I think the Gamecocks came out pretty well. I think they're, they're set up to get some more commits, you know, before July 4th or shortly thereafter or on that day. <laughs> and, uh, We'll see sort of what happens, but um, got some news and notes for you. And I uh, always want to uh, tell you that this portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Ugh, ugh. Are you paying him good money, your hard-earned money to keep things working? But you're still having constant problems. Your computer's slow. You got other recurring issues. Is he backing up or securing your network? Does your head hurt from having to deal with the hassles? No, man, you just want to go work. Uh, and you can't work when the tech isn't right. I've been fortunate in my career. CBS 24-7, they always take care of me. Um, back to the rivals days, Yahoo. Uh, it was always up. ESPN, obviously, always up. Disney kept us running. But I know that's not the case because I have friends that work, and then it's like this freaking computer. will throw their computer out of the daggum window. Uh, and if you own your own business, that can really slow down your production. It could piss off your employees. Uh, you know, it, it's just a mess. So if this is you, be sure to call my good friend Matt Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. That's it. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage Digital will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask all the right questions to make sure your IT network works closely and correctly all the time. One cohesive deal. They have clients from South Carolina to California, so Heritage Digital has you covered. And again, if you're sick and tired of constant computer and network issues, call my friend Matthew Odom, big Gamecock fan, I, you know, this we're, we're not going to have too many non-Gamecock owned businesses here. Uh, but call Matt at 843-664-8989 and get rid of the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. Um, and yeah, this is different than I help consulting. I help consulting uh, the other sponsor. They're going to sit there and save you money 
uh, with your internet service, your insurance, you're paying out all that good stuff. What Heritage Digital does is it's it's just your your network, um, which is a pain if it's not working. Believe me, I, I have a close friend of mine right now that works in health insurance that uh, is about to throw her laptop out the window every single day. So this portion of the Inside the Gamecast podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Again, 843-664-8989. And let's get to some of these things. Okay, Dominic James, four-star defensive tackle out of IMG Academy. And I heard the collective groans of the Gamecock faithful when I said IMG Academy. Uh, By the way, Devin Hyatt from Dutch Fork is leaving Dutch Fork and going to IMG. Um, I, you know, from what Hale reported and what I understand, he's probably got pretty good reasons to go. Um, I, I, you know, IMG is kind of a sore subject for me in some ways, just, just not because of the South Carolina angle, but because I, I'm not a big fan of high school eroding high, local high school football teams and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, kids transfer in high school, well, state of Florida. Obviously, we talked about Anthony Rose yesterday. You could transfer all over the place and be eligible. But creating a super team and all that, you know, now look, there's some guys that have academic reasons why they need to go. You know, they're probably not going to qualify at their current high school. Uh, I don't know what the situation is with Devin Hyde at Dutch Fork. But, you know, there's some guys that have those issues that, that need to go. But I'll tell you this, from a talent standpoint, and in terms of like guys that produce right away, uh, th- there's no advantage to going down there. I mean, maybe you're a little bit better fundamentally at certain things, but I mean, there's no, you know, we've seen this now for a while with IMG and, and there's not really a, a correlation between instant impact players and IMG Academy. Uh, and there's some that make an instant impact, but there's just as many from other high schools across the country. So um, I'm not a big fan of that. But anyway, Devin Hyatt's going down there, and then Dominic James is the kid that, uh, you know, South Carolina's in on defensive tackle. He visited. He releases a top four. It's uh, South Carolina, Ohio State, Florida, and Texas A&M. I- I'm going to say this. I, I I am close to putting in a crystal ball for Ohio State, but – this is the same reason I didn't put in a crystal ball prediction before he visited because it's hard to get a beat on. You look at it and you sort of try to read the tea leaves and you hear, you know, South Carolina feels pretty good. And then Ohio state feels pretty good. And then, you know, South Carolina, the feedback he got was that he's kind of hard to read, you know, uh, and you hear talk that talk, that talk from other schools, um, you know, kind of hard to read, not a bad kid. Dominic James is a terrific kid, but uh you know, I, I don't know. I'm close to putting in a crystal ball for Ohio State, but I'm not going to do it till I'm absolutely ready. I think the Gamecocks are right there in there. I mean, Jimmy Lindsay and he have a pretty good relationship and all that. I certainly understand the draw of Ohio State, and and I say this too. You know, IMG. I don't. I don't think they really push their kids one way or the other, but they're they're pretty happy when their kids go to places like Ohio State. Um, you know, and I don't know. He's from Prattville, Alabama, so. Uh, and his other three finalists are SEC schools. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I, I, and I think, you know, gosh, goodness gracious, Ohio State, it, it, they probably have to come south sometimes to get defensive tackles and get enough depth and stuff at that position. And uh, they're obviously a great program. Ryan Day has kind of built on what Urban Meyer did. Um, 
at at Ohio State in terms of recruiting and and their role. I mean, they played for the national championship last year. Finally, got the state of South Carolina thing taken care of. Um, they were an O for five against teams from South Carolina, and I think and they beat Clemson last year by twenty one at the Sugar Bowl. So they're rolling. And Larry Johnson, last time I checked, is still the D line coach there, and he's pretty good. He's a legend. So. Um, no harm, no foul and losing James to the Buckeyes, but I, I'll caution you. I, I don't really know. I mean, I just, you know, I talked to some people, I've tried to figure it out. He dropped the top four. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think, you know, anything could happen. And, and in this situation too, you know, we're sitting here reading it and it's like, well, we think it's Ohio state or South Carolina. Well, it may end up being Texas A&M or something. You, you just never know. Uh, with a guy that keeps things that close to the vest. Now, some some news breaks, something leaks out. We figured out, you know, uh, you know, we'll probably put in a crystal ball. Uh, but right now, he has no crystal ball predictions uh, here with an announcement forthcoming. Uh, no crystal ball predictions on the twenty four seven Sports Network, so we don't really know uh, what the deal is there. Uh, but wanted to kind of pass that along as kind of a news and notes item. Uh, David Mendham, baseball, is going in the transfer portal per John Whittle. Uh, some big hits at times this year, but struggled mightily down the stretch. <laughs> he was one of those guys that was kind of striking out a lot. And, you know, we'll see uh, see what happens moving forward with, with, with you know, filling his spot. Uh, Game Pass did fill his spot with, the, I think, the kid from Missouri is taking his spot. But, uh you know, probably wants to go someplace he can play, and that's fine. Yeah, he's from Canada, so there's he's he's kind of far from home. But um, you know, South Carolina baseball, if you look at it, they Canada, Australia, Kentucky, four players from Chicago land and Illinois. I mean, they they sort of go all over. But um, yeah, Mendham is is going to go in the transfer portal and. Everybody just should wish him the best because he did hit some, you know, he had, I think, game-winning home run or hit or game-tying hit a couple of times this year. Um, so, anyway, that's a quick baseball note. John Whittle keeps you up to date with that on the big spur. He's got updates of the players, Carolina players and commits, incoming guys that are in the Cape Cod League, you know, that are playing baseball this summer, stats and all that, pitchers and hitters. Um, so if you're kind of looking for some numbers, <laughs> like we all are with baseball, you know, hey, take a, take a look at what John Whittle's got uh, there on the bigspur.com. And um, certainly that would uh, that would fill you in nicely. So that's um, that's that there. I was sitting there thinking about, you know, because we talked about Karon Prunty. And there's a lot of talk about the secondary. You know, you, you look at it and I think you look at wide receiver from the standpoint of, all right, there's 14 scholarship guys now. You know, somebody will step up, you know. And if not, I think E.J. Jenkins and Jaheim Bell will be the two leading receivers on the team. And this is an issue. And like I said, they all have – and I'm not lying here, and this has been the case for two staffs now and two different staffs, and, and this is the assessment that – they all sort of have something that they need to work on big, like a glaring weakness in their game. And so they're all doing it this summer. I was told they know this. 
and they know the criticism and that they're working exceptionally hard to fix things. So that's good because I think there's a lot there. There's some guys that have a lot of raw talent. I mean, you know, you look at, look at a guy like Rico powers coming out of high school. That guy's got a lot of talent, you know, Amarian Brown comes over from Georgia tech. He caught 30 balls as a freshman and tied Calvin Johnson's touchdown record. Then, you know, kind of, dipped last year I was told he didn't have a good chemistry with their new quarterback at Georgia Tech and you know we all speaking of 30 catches as a freshman you know or Trey Smith um there's a guy that if he you know if he can return to form and Amari can catch 30 and Derek DeCarry and Joyner um of all these guys he's the one that took the big leap uh he probably put Jalen Brooks right behind him as far as guys that really got better a lot better noticeably better during the spring uh, but they're working hard. So so I think we look at receiver and we go, huh, you know, some mix of some of these guys should be able to step up and get the Gamecocks through. Like I said, if not, E.J. Jenkins and Jaheim Bell will, you know, probably play a whole, whole bunch. <laughs> and, um, and that's fine because those guys are good. I mean, those guys are talented enough no matter what the other guys do. I think they're going to be among the biggest playmakers on the team. But – you know, so, so 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 that's a problem area, receiver. And so I think that's what we sort of all think about that. You know, fans, analysts, you know, somebody should step up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and I think that I think it's because there's a lot of options. You know, there's probably more pressure on like Luke Doty to be, you know, good this year, you know, than maybe the receivers just because, you know, you, you don't really have – you know, you have Jason Brown, but, you know, he's working hard, but, you know, Doty's the quarterback heading in. Uh, and so you, you have a situation where, you know, unless Jason Brown comes a, a long way between now and the season and beats Doty out, you know, you, you don't have 14 scholarship quarterbacks. Uh, you know, they're carrying three and one's a true freshman. So one's a transfer. So, uh, there's not a lot of depth there. So I think individually you're sort of more concerned about Luke Doty than you are about Jalen Brooks. Cause if Brooks doesn't step up, maybe Jakari Caldwell does maybe Omega Blake does, you know, who, who knows, who knows, who knows who's going to step up at receiver Trey Atkins, maybe. Um, but there's options there. Uh, the defensive secondary and linebacker, it's a different kind of story. I mean, look, man, at the end of last season, South Carolina had Gilbert Edmond running around out there at linebacker. Daryl Ware played a lot. Muhammad Kaba played some and got hurt. They, they didn't have anybody. I mean, people want to know why Kentucky hung 41 on them because South Carolina didn't have uh, – look at the players that played in that game. It's it's not a uh, exactly a um, – <laughs> you know, a, a lineup of guys that you'll you'll probably see this year. So linebacker needs to get healthy. You know, Brad Johnson had a neck issue. Sherrod Green had a hip issue. I think it was his hip. I mean, and he's they all stayed out. You know, Debo Williams got a lot of snaps. Is he going to be ready? That's the question. Damani Staley is sort of a guy, 10, 15 snap guy that you can kind of plug in. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of where's Jamar Brown? Is he going to be primarily a nickel or is, is he one of the linebackers? You know, there's questions, but it's more a matter of health. Now, the secondary, you kind of just look at it and, and during the spring, 
you know, they didn't have the numbers and they run a four to five. So there's five DBs on the field at a time, most of the time in the secondary. And Clayton White was said, man, it's hard to practice because you can, you know, you don't have guys. You had Jalen Foster out there as a walk on and RJ Roderick were your two starting safeties. So especially at safety, you know, you're kind of looking for some answers. Uh, and so I broke it down and, you know, there are seven new DBs now that Prunty is committed heading into the program. Uh, two of them were already there, David Spalding, who transferred in from Georgia Southern, and Marsalis Dial, who I continue to like, not just because he's a Spartanburg County kid from Woodruff, but because I thought he looked pretty good in the spring, and I've heard good things about him. He just hadn't played in a while. You know, David Spalding played limited snaps at Georgia Southern last year, played more as the season went on, but he's a tall, lean guy. They really like it nickel. Uh, so you had those two newcomers, but then you have five guys in the secondary, five guys, um, joining the um, joining the program. And, and I'll go through them. You know, we talked about Prunty, freshman All-American corner at Kansas, shutdown guy. Went and watched his film on YouTube. Uh, he's got a rap song on the, on the film. Uh, so if you've got kids, maybe, you know, you want to mute it when you watch it. You know, it's, it's probably not appropriate for – the under 15 or so crowd, uh, but very impressive in coverage, good enough open field tackler, I think. Um, maybe needs to pop them a little harder. But, you know, in the Big 12, like I said, when you're defensive back in that league, a lot of times you feel like you're playing on roller skates just because the offenses are coming at you a million miles an hour. And then you turn around uh, nowadays and, and you have to go play Iowa State and they're running three tight ends down the field. And I mean, it's just, I just would not want to be a DB in that league, but uh, Hey, it's good. Cause he got tested and, you know, obviously passed the test 38% completion percentage against him. Physical guy. Um, so we talked about him uh, yesterday because the commitment came in. So he's coming in and then Tyrese Ross, the safety uh, coming in from Washington State now, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, you look back and you, you, you say, well, why the heck, you know, sophomore 2020, the COVID year, um, why didn't he play more? And he's listed 6'2", 181 um, on Washington State's website. Uh, but Washington State only played four games. <laughs> He played in one game, started and made two tackles against Oregon. He was starting defensive player and then didn't play. And then, you know, kind of uh, went on forward. So uh, his brother, Dominique Ross, plays at North Carolina. Uh, he went to Westlake High School in Atlanta, but he's from Jacksonville originally. So you got to go back to 2019 when he's a redshirt freshman. So this guy's been in college three years. This is his fourth year in college. He's an older guy, although he's got plenty of eligibility left. Uh, 13 games, forced a fumble, 33 tackles with a loss, special teams tackles, uh, six on the kickoff team, special teams player of the week one week. This is when Mike Leach was still there. And uh, made three tackles against Air Force in the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, so he was a very productive player as a redshirt freshman uh, at Wazoo. Uh, now the Pac-12 definitely, you know, isn't known for defense, but it's it, it's not as hard as the Big 12, I think, to play defense in. But 
um, you do have to kind of look at it and go, well, you know, uh, that's power five level football. Last I checked, Washington State played, you know, a Pac-12 schedule against some good football teams that you have to play defense against. So, you know, productive there. So I'm curious to see sort of, you know, how he fits in, if he could nail down a starting safety spot, uh, because I I think that would be a tremendous help. But, you know, maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe he's a depth guy. I don't know. You know, so he's coming in. Carlin's Platel is coming in. Um, I like Carlin's on film a lot. You know, he's a guy from Everett, Massachusetts, that went to Assumption. Um, was a corner there. Uh, played in a bunch of games. Uh, they didn't have football in 2020. Uh, first conference in all Northeast, 21 tackles, two picks, one sack, fumble recovery, three punt returns for 14 yards. Uh, you know, ran track in high school. You know, when I look at him, this this may be one of those kids that, to be honest, I may be missing sort of like – what he is or how good he can be. Um, Because I look at him and look at his highlights from Assumption, and and I see a player that's very active, that's got great technique, that's got good size, uh, a dominant player at that level. But when I see him turn and run and cover, bumping around, you know, some guys get past him. I mean, he's not the most on film, the most fleet of foot. Now, maybe he is faster than I think. And if that's the case, maybe he does end up playing. I know they like him a lot and they would never ever have taken him uh, if they didn't like him and think he could help. So he's, he's, he's incoming. You put him in the incoming category and, and, you know, you're talking about a situation too, where if you'd have ask anybody, you know, who's going to be better, Nick Harvey or Nick Muse, when they come in, Harvey's coming from Texas A&M and was almost a five-star guy coming out of high school. Nick Muse was unknown from William and Mary. You'd have probably said Nick Harvey, but it was Nick Muse by a mile. So, so you never know, you know, I wouldn't pay attention to where they come from. Uh, I'm just, you know, is Platel going to be a corner? Is he going to be a nickel? Is that the guy they're looking at at nickel? Um, and he's an older player too. So, so he's a grad transfer, whereas Prunty and Ross have some time left. Platel, I think has one, maybe two, it's probably two years because of the COVID. Isaiah Norris is coming in probably in August, played at TL Hannah High School, a guy that, you know, Keith Alsep and I looked at his film in high school, really liked. He went to New Mexico military, ended up at Georgia military, doesn't have film from Georgia military, has film from New Mexico military, and looked really good. You know, I, I think the key with him is how big is he, and I'm going to stay on that. I mean, he, he was listed at 170 coming out of uh, junior college, so is he 170, is he 165? Can he hold up? That kind of thing. And – um I tell you what, he can cover, and he's got great instincts. So, you know, that's a guy coming in later this summer from an in-state kid that they're kind of getting back from JUCO, which is important. Uh, you know, he's number four or five. And then Ladarian Craig, I've I've been calling him Ladanelian Craig, like Ladanelian Tomlinson, but it's Ladarian Craig from Mobile, Alabama. I, I'm just going to tell everybody right now, don't count this kid out. Uh, we all remember Captain Munderland from Mobile, Alabama. 
um, that came in and was just great. And but captain was five nine. This dude's six two, one seventy five. And you know they didn't have very many All Star games last year. They did have the Alabama Mississippi game, and he was very good. Auburn almost went on him late, but they didn't. And he's coming to South Carolina. So those are five guys that over the course of the summer you add to the mix. Um, and you know it's almost like you could you could probably go. <laughs> Prunty and uh, Norris at safety and Platell at nickel and or I'm sorry, Prunty and Norris at corner, uh, Platell at nickel and Ross and Craig at safety in a pinch. Uh, Craig projects as a corner coming in, but you know six two one seventy five, they kick it down to safety. So that's almost an entire secondary right there. It's not going to be the starting secondary, but you know I I, I think that. You know, if you if you got a situation like you did in the spring and it's a concern, adding five players is probably smart. <laughs> um, and so I looked at it. and I was like, you know, and you, I, I don't, I don't, I think that's kind of been understated, you know, because we've been sitting here talking about the secondary all off season, and um, I think it's been understated that they're adding five players. That's a lot, and they added two in you know winter, spring, and in, in Spalding and Dallas. There's a lot of newcomers back there. And then the guys on campus like Dominic James and O'Donnell Fortune and Joey Hunter uh, and Cam Smith, quite frankly, you know, they, they, those guys haven't played a whole lot. So you got the, you got RJ Roderick, who's sort of the elder statesman as far as being part of Carolina football and Jalen Foster as well. Uh, and then that's, it's a lot of youth and our, not, not, not necessarily youth. because like Platel's an older player. Norris is an older player. Dow's is somewhat older. Uh, but a lot of a lot of guys that haven't played at this level, um, you know, and you, you got Ross and Prunty coming in that played Power Five. Um, I, I think we all know that playing defense in the SEC may be a little bit more <laughs> challenging than the Pac-12 or Big 12. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I say that, uh, and I say that out of respect for the evolution of the offenses in the SEC and the physicality of the league. And that's going to be the difference. You know, it, it is a, it's probably more of a challenge to play straight up man corner in the Big 12 than it is in the SEC. But the difference is in the SEC, you're, you're going to be out there on the perimeter and they're going to run a screen pass and, and you're going to, have to fight through and tackle somebody. Um, and that's been an issue at South Carolina for a while now, perimeter tackling. Um, little bit better here and there but uh that and that's that's something that looks you look at next year and it it, it, it's it scares you because that that's the case with inexperience sometimes is you you know they these guys have played they hadn't played in that league they hadn't faced that uh that downhill tall sweep i mean they hadn't played georgia you know so that's uh that's kind of something to consider but anyway i think that um I think having five newcomers there is pretty solid. Went through, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about expanding the recruiting base and put a little post up on the message board today. Um, and, right, you know, and look, South Carolina's primary recruiting base is the Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And that's where the vast majority of South Carolina players for the last 20 years, the modern era of recruiting, if you will, have come from. You know, there's just no denying that. Occasionally, you'll get a kid out of Tennessee, Virginia. There's been some really good ones out of Alabama over the years. 
But Mace, basically, South Carolina kind of, you know, and up in the Northeast, Demir Bird, David Williams came from up there. You know, you got Chicago when we're on, on the roster now for Sean Lee. They're from Virginia. But uh, I was looking at it since Beamer arrived, and, and this is interesting because it's uh, – and this counts transfers that have come in. This counts 2022 commitments, which that number will probably grow soon. 2021 signees. You know, I counted it up, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve players uh, have been added to the roster. I remember, you get 85, so 12 scholarship players of, of outside the four, the, the base, so to speak. And, and I talk about this in terms of politics because I like politics. But, uh, you know, if you if you have a – let's say you're talking presidential politics and there's a state that – was reliably red for a while and it becomes blue on you like the state of Virginia, for example. Uh, if you're the red team, you know, you, you need to go expand your base because you've lost that state. And I don't, I don't want to say South Carolina's lost North Carolina because I don't, I think it's very temporary. Uh, I think right now Max got it rolling uh, shoot, they're going to get Travis Shaw. Clemson thought they had locked up. I mean, uh, I think that not just sitting around waiting on Mac Brown to retire, but South Carolina's program gets better. They can go in there and win some of those battles. It's going to be tough. I mean, you, you can't rely right now, I think, on doing what South Carolina did in 07 when you go up to North Carolina and you get Melvin Ingram. You get Wesley Saunders, you get Chris Culliver, you get Travian Robertson. Um, you know, over that time period, uh, the North Carolina schools were really struggling first and foremost. But then, you know, secondly, you know, it was you were able to go get it. You know, because Steve, Steve Spurrier was in his third year. There's a lot of enthusiasm, but you know, yeah, like like in the 2007 class. Byron McKnight, Alonzo Winfield. They signed Michael Bowman, but he didn't get in. We all remember what happened there. Jason Barnes, Melvin Ingram, Wesley Saunders, Travian Roberts, and Chris Culliver. That's five guys out of one class that were significant impact players at times, you know, like in the case of Saunders at times, um, including one all-pro and one high draft pick in Ingram and Culliver out of North Carolina in one class. That's ideal. If you're South Carolina, that that that's that's great. Now that that's that's the ideal situation. Um, is you go up there <laughs> and you you you're competing for their best guys. You're not going to get every one of them, but you, you get quite a few. And um and that's how you do it, you know. And and South Carolina in recent years has they've had good players out of North Carolina, Rico Dowdle, uh, in the 2017 class or 2016 class. Obviously, he's in the NFL and. Had an injury-riddled career, but certainly, um, you know, you have Eric Douglas, Sherrod Green, and Jalen Dickerson, who obviously – I didn't mention him when I was talking about the secondary earlier, but those three guys could be starters. I know Douglas will be. Uh, Green probably, you know, and they're all from North Carolina. So, so must champ, that staff went up and got some players. I mean, Rick Sandage and Joe Von Gwynn are from North Carolina, so they're still obviously there. Um you know, but it wasn't, you know, that that eight. Because when you get that eight, you know, two of them, three of them didn't pan out. 
four of them really didn't pan out. You know, I, I don't, I think Jason Bournes, you probably say was not four star good. He's probably three star good though. And he helped Carolina win a game at Ole Miss that I'll never forget. Um, you know, Trey Kenyon's from North Carolina, Derek Boykins left, Jalen Nichols, you know, Nick Muse obviously is from North Carolina. So they got some guys. But but the 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 the, the eight to ten out of the Tar Heel State, that's not gonna happen. Uh, you know, so so you're probably getting two to three. And so where do you go to kind of backfill? You know, because at some point, you know, I think the idea at South Carolina is you're getting the elite talent out of the Carolinas and, you know, going all over and getting players and having a lot of players from Florida and stuff like that and build a, you know, a roster that can compete in the SEC East for the SEC East. And, and I think that can happen, but where do you go? I think you got to expand. And um, I, I think it's smart to expand the base period because I, I think that, you know, the emphasis they're putting on in-state talent, there's not going to be, a whole lot of guys that escape the state. There'll be some guys that you go, oh man, how'd they miss on that guy? Because that's it's, it's inevitable uh, with everybody. Uh, uh, Clemson's not immune to that either. I'm sure they've looked at some in-state guys. Oh man, we could have had him. He's really good. Um, but you look at it, and, and since Beamer's been there, you know they've gotten three out of Alabama, uh, and this includes 2021, 2022, and all transfers. Two out of Delaware. Three out of Virginia. Pronti was the third out of Virginia. Virginia could be very important, too. Uh, one out of Indiana. Bam Scott's from Fort Wayne. Um, Carlos Patel's from Massachusetts. One out of Massachusetts. Peyton Williams, the 2022 safety commits from Rockwall, Texas. So you dip out into Texas. Uh, uh, and, you know, and then uh, Kobe Fields, the linebacker that's there, freshman incoming. He's from Metairie, Louisiana which is in New Orleans. And, and I, you know, uh, and I mentioned Craig being from Mobile. Sam Reynolds is from Alabaster. He's a freshman receiver. And then John Darius Morgan is a freshman offensive guard from Birmingham. So, you know, I especially think that at times in Mobile and New Orleans, that, that I-10 corridor, you can find guys. You know, you, <laughs> there's a lot of players down that way. Uh, and so I think, you know, you got 12 right now and counting because you don't know, you know, there's going to be more commits from out of the primary four state area. Uh, and so I think that's good. I think I think that's a good thing is they sort of expand the base because you're going to have a hard time going and just randomly going to wherever and getting guys if there's not other players that players know about that have come to your school. Uh, that's been a Marsh, the Marshawn Lloyd effect. You know, Marshawn hadn't carried the ball once for South Carolina yet because he got injured last year, but his impact on the program has been amazing. Uh, you know, if you talk as you talk about, you know, Debo Williams coming in, who I think is going to be really good, maybe not this year, but in time. Um, you talk about Braden Davis, the quarterback, four-star quarterback commit, who they really like out of Delaware. Uh, and and when he signed out of DeMatha, I don't think a lot of us knew he was originally from Delaware. Um Drove in every day, kind of the reverse uh, Joe Biden. I'm not getting political here, but uh, Joe Biden took Amtrak back and forth to Delaware to D.C. every day. And DeMathis right there near D.C. on the Maryland side. And, and Marshawn Lloyd went back and forth from the first state every day. So uh, that's kind of the deal there. But that's um, that's kind of the, the breakdown. Uh, people ask all the time, how many more are they going to take? 
Uh, I always say the numbers always work out, but I know that's not what you want to hear. So, Hale McGranahan got some guys, you know, wide receiver. They're looking at two or three more. If they can get the right ones, it'll be three. Running back, it's going to be one guy. Tight end, one guy. Oscar Delp is, you know, the, the focus. Offensive line, they're waiting on one more. Ryan Brubaker is the guy in the crosshairs. He's out of Pennsylvania. Three or four on the defensive line, defense, interior defensive line, defensive tackle. That's and, and Dominic James is a guy I mentioned and all that. Two more defensive ends, edge guys, as they say now. Uh, two at linebacker and then um, one or two more defensive backs. Is that what that says? Maybe that's two or three, I think. I don't, I don't know what – I can't read my own writing there. But uh, defensive back-wise, uh, one thing, Nicky Martinez from Apopka, he, he's another guy like Nick Cole and um, like Peter Kikwata at receiver that came in. They hadn't seen him in person. They saw him in person uh, and elected to – you know, the, the other guys are higher on their board. They're, they're looking for a little size at corner, you know, because they don't have – uh, that, you know, they, they need more size at that spot. And the good news is, you know, and, and uh, guys, I used to cringe when I heard size at corner because, you know, the last few years, last five, six years, you know, there's been guys they've stuck out at corner that are tall. Yeah. But, and I'm not talking about just Izzy. Um, I mean, heck, Izzy helped win the Georgia game that year. One of the few bright spots, you know, going all the way back to Chaz Elder, uh, you know, when they tried to make him look. I, I just – I've never thought, even with bigger receivers nowadays and all that, that the two inches is something you should, you know, prioritize over speed and athleticism, hips, that kind of thing. Um, and, um, you know, there's reasons for that. I mean, you know, J.C. Horn was a huge corner, big guy. Uh, but he had speed and hips and all that. I mean, you, you know, that I think – and those guys are hard to find because they all, they usually go to Alabama. <laughs> uh, if you look at Alabama's defensive backfield, yeah, they, they, they fit specs. But but I'll say this, Torian Gray, if you look back through his history at uh, Virginia Tech, he was able to do that, like identify guys without – you know, that had size without losing – you know, his, uh, like speed and athleticism, you know? So I guess what I'm trying to say is I trust him on some of these guys and, and most of the players that they've been in on, I, you know, I thought, wow, this guy big and can run or whatever. Uh, so don't cringe on that, but they're, so they're looking for corners that have size. And you also have to keep in mind with Prunty coming in now, you know, you've got a, a bunch of young cornerbacks. I mean, David Spalding is sort of a nickel, but that's, He's a corner too. I've mentioned the three, you know, Fortune Hill and and uh, Hunter. Maybe one of those guys goes to safety. I don't know. You know, Platel is is an older player, but he may be classified as a corner. Norris is a corner. Dial's a corner. I mean, you got you got some younger guys there. Uh, so the need in this class probably isn't as immediate for corner as it is for safety. Uh, and Kwan Banks from Tallahassee, who's committed to Carolina for 2022, he could be either or, or all of the above. So that's that with the defensive backs. So we'll see who they end up getting. Uh, if 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 I 
you know, if, if it were me right now with the way the board is, unless Keenan Nelson Jr. wants to come uh, from Philly or, or somebody like that, uh, I would go all in on Traquan Fagans and Antonio Kite out of Alabama and get both those guys. Uh, or, you know, Chris Graves, if he wants to come, obviously, <laughs> you know, I think, I think you take that guy, but, um, cause I think, you know, he's, he's a low four star right now. I think he's a top 100 guy at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, that's just my opinion, but, you know, I, and so I, I think that if, if you don't get Nelson or Graves or somebody like that, I think that, you know, if it were me, I'd go all in on Fagans and Kite out of Alabama both of those guys. Fagans, by the way, is now moved to Alabaster, which is near Birmingham. He's going to play for Thompson High School. Uh, Why Kite Kite is still at uh, Anniston. So they're not neighbors anymore. I don't know if they even know each other. Ten, uh, Anniston and Oxford are 10 miles apart, but Fagans is now back in – I don't know back, if he's back in Birmingham or in Birmingham. So we'll see what happens there. All right. So time to get to the – I help consulting mailbag. If you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. And again, this is different than Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital, they're going to fix the ghost in your computer and make your network run smooth. What uh, Daniel here at I Help Consulting is going to do is do a complete uh, evaluation of your business expenses. Uh, and that's credit card processing, internet, insurance, anything else, and try to find you the most savings. So, uh, without sacrificing quality, which is important, you know, because uh, uh, Mac could come in and fix the network all you want, but if your internet connection sucks, you know, you're not gonna not gonna be have a very productive day. Uh, so, if you're a business owner looking to save time and money, I help consulting can help. It's a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. That's their number one goal. That's the only thing they do. Uh, whether you think you might be paying too much for credit card processing, like I said, internet, insurance, anything else, I help could find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And also, this is the beauty of this. All it takes is uh, a quick call or text. And if I help can't help your business, there's no cost to you. It's it's high risk, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase. It's no risk, high reward. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens at iHelp at 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again is 843-372-5713. Daniel, iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? All right, so if you contact Matt or contact Daniel, it would really do me a favor and a solid if you mentioned the, you heard about it on the podcast just because, you know, I don't have sort of fancy – uh, analytics like customer trackers or anything it's, it's kind of a uh, you know uh, just kind of a, a bare bones operation here so uh, if I hear through the grapevine that you know one of these very fine businesses are, are being patronized by you Gamecock fans out there I'd really really appreciate it that just helps the podcast helps me do more episodes helps us helps us keep rolling and also helps Daniel and Matt that's I help consulting this is the I help consulting mailbag uh, and we're going to get right to it. There's two ways to get into the mailbag. You can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, or you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. That's the Big Spur Pod at the Big Spur Pod. That's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast um, uh, Twitter account. Gosh, 
went to put, I pulled up tweet deck, right? And if any of you've ever had tweet deck, there's just all this mass of tweets just hit you when you pull up the page and I got sidetracked. Anyway, uh, first one comes in from Garnet over everybody. It says question for the mailbag, any info on the recruitment of Jackson from Sumter? Well, you know, DJ Jackson, Carolina offered him. Uh, I think, you know, the expectation was he'd, he'd probably commit pretty soon. He hasn't done that yet. Hasn't been ready. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think they still want him. I think they, they definitely still take him right now. Uh, but I'll just be blunt with you. The, the, the defensive tackle board is getting crowded. Uh, now, if they don't get Dominic James, which I'm not sure that they will, you know, maybe that's it's, it's a little less of a tight squeeze. But, um, you know, he and Demetrius Watson, I think, you know, it, there's not an endless um, – and they've been told this too. So, so it's not like they offered an in-state kid and they're just going to drop him because they go get better and, or whatever. They've been told this, look, it's, you know, we, we'll take you, but, you know, you need to get in the boat. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what his time frame is. I, I would assume, you know, it's probably – probably going to be, I don't know, you know, before the season starts. Uh, but, you know, Carolina, I, I think it's still getting – I think they're still uh, right there. I mean, I, I don't I don't really see him going to NC State or anywhere else. He's a very productive player, very good player. Uh, so, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, I, I, I know why you asked because it's like, you know, you heard about him way back at the beginning of June. Boom, there's the offer. Boom, the crystal balls come in. And then he had everything since. So, I get it. Um, and then, you know, you've got 2023 defensive lineman Monteke Rames from Sumter that may end up being, you know, the best player, best prospect in the state. I don't know about best player in the state. Player, prospect, two different things. Um, but thank you so much, Garnet, over everybody for that question. Very relevant question. So Chris uh, says, normally I would be on top of recruiting, but the last few years of play really turned me off. With all the good news with the Beamer era, who are in the top 10 realistic targets the Gamecocks need to turn things around? I mean, I you know, I, I think they've turned things around. It, it, it's kind of, I don't know, a little relative to, to what you mean. I, I think South Carolina needs receivers. Uh, you know, I, I think when you look at, you know, what to, What are they missing? Well, you know, I feel pretty good about the future at defensive back um, with some of the young players they have in the program and coming into the program. Okay, I think that, that situation I, – I, I still don't know about some of the young receivers on the roster. You know, I, I, I think Jakari Caldwell and Rico Powers are going to be good, but I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what to think about Sam Reynolds right now. He's kind of been hurt and, and not been able to to make it a go. Uh, what's Omega Blake going to do? That's a question. So there's all these question marks. It's like, what is it, the Riddler? Question mark everywhere. Uh, and, and I think South Carolina needs to get back to having, you know, getting that one guy, you know, and they've had that guy over the years. Fair. I mean, all the way to Shy Smith. Shy Smith was that guy last year. Uh, so, 
uh, get back to having that guy. So, so I think that guy is Antonio Williams out of Dutch Fork. And, and so I think if you're looking for one guy that you go, hey, you know, there are no must-haves in a class, but this guy's close to being a must-have. Uh, and I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there aren't they aren't going to sit there and say this one guy receiver down the road is more important than any of you other recruits because that's just not true. But I, I think that that's a, a guy that you look at. Um, I think that the linebacker recruiting is going to be important this year as they continue to backfill that. You know, you, you look at a guy like Mason Thomas, E. Mason Thomas out of Miami that they really like uh, at linebacker. Stone Blanton out of Mississippi uh, would be a huge pull. You know, so how many is that? Three. Uh, I like the offensive lineman they've already gotten. Uh, I like the in-state kid, Nick Emanuare, at, at, at safety, Anthony Rose, those guys. Um so, I, you know, and, and I think, you know, you talk about turning it around, Chris. I, I honestly believe that between the, the new players they've added through the portal with the 2021 group, which I think is smart, um, and then the fact that the 2020 class is still on campus and is largely intact, you know, people forget about this, Um the class of 2020 at South Carolina was 19th in the country, eighth in the SEC. Jordan Birch, Marshawn Lloyd, Luke Doty, Muhammad Kaba, Eric Shaw, Tonka Hemingway, uh, Jaheim Bell, Zaquandre White, Tyshawn Wanamaker, uh, those DBs I keep mentioning, all the way down to Mitch Jeter, who's the kicker of the future, Kai Kroger, uh, and then Jalen Brooks as a transfer, and Rashad Amos. All of these guys are still at South Carolina. The only guy that's left is Micaiah Scott, defensive tackle from Gainesville, Georgia, who left before Beamer was even hired or, or you know, quit real, basically last year, uh, went home to, you know, Gainesville. I, I just don't think he liked it, and that happens a lot, uh, and ended up at Tech, so Georgia Tech. So, it, you know, you, you sort of look at it and – you know, that last must champ class is still there. There's only lost one. You got a small group of high schoolers coming in for Beamer's first class, but then a lot of transfers and stuff you can spread throughout the roster. And so I think these guys uh, are the keys to turning it around. And I'll give you an example. You know, Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens, two five-star guys. Um, And, and look, I want to say this. The, the pro football focus grade on Zach Pickens that graded him 118th out of 119th, you know, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, don't, I, and, and I don't even understand why, you know, they think they go you – know, anyway, um, Pickens had a rough year last year. You know, I, I thought he was the best defensive tackle they had. Um, and I think Zach Pickens would tell you he needs to get better. But, you know, I don't know that he deserved that kind of grade, to be honest. Uh, and I see some other grades you know, that they put out, and those guys suck. Uh, not saying any Gamecocks. You know, I don't want to sit there and bash any players, but I'm just saying I've seen some very high grades for some players over time that, you know, you go back and look like, man, they suck. They're not that good. Um, 
So I, I don't trust PFF. Some people swear by them, and that's fine. I have respect for the job they do, but I don't really put a lot of stock in them rating Zach Pickens 116th out of 119. That said, you know, Zach Pickens needs to get better. Now, he's not class of 2020. He's 2019, but he's got to start playing like a like a five-star guy. Jordan Birch, um, you know, I think we all knew that it would take Birch a little bit. Uh, but uh, hopefully he's ready to break out because that would be an important guy. Uh, I think, you know, Kevin Harris needs to keep being Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd needs to be great. And Luke Doty, who was the number 86 overall prospect in the country in 2020, needs to be great and take a step. Uh, Muhammad Kaba, four-star player in that class, needs to take a step. Here They love Eric Shaw. He's going to be down the road a little bit. He's got to put on weight at tight end, but he's going to be good. Some of these receivers – you know, I mentioned Rico Powers and Jakari Caldwell. They got to be great. The young defensive backs, Justin Turnantine, an offensive tackle. Um, you know, some of the transfers. Those are the guys that are going to turn it around. Because unlike, I guess, when Spurrier took over or when Muschamp took over, I'll, I'll use Muschamp as an example, and one entire side of the ball offense relied on true freshmen. You know, think think about the 2016 Gamecocks. Um, you know, you had a mediocre to poor offensive line. Uh, your tight ends, tight ends were Hayden Hurst, who had never played the position, and Casey Crosby, who had never played. Your best quarterback ended up being Jake Bentley, true freshman who graduated high school early. Uh, your running back was Rico Dowdle, true freshman who was a high school cornerback. You know, Debo was the best receiver on that team, but he was hurt until the midway point. And then other than Debo, you're relying on Brian Edwards, true freshman, and Chavis Dawkins, a true freshman. You know, so so, so that group had a Debo Samuel who had, who had played sparingly to that point, Hayden Hurst who had never played tight end, Casey Crosby who had never played, Dowdle at a new position. I mean – South Carolina is not in that situation, and the offensive line is ten times better. Athletically, depth-wise, whatever you don't have to you don't have to worry about that. Are they going to be perfect this year? Probably not. And, and I think a lot of people have like a the, the ridiculous expectations for the offensive line. You know, they give up a sack. Oh, they suck. No, you're going to give up sacks. It happens. Uh, and and I, I thought that anybody that watched the South Carolina-Georgia game in 2019, people would understand, look, on any given day in this league, I don't care how many stars your offensive line has and, you know, not just star ratings, but those all, all those guys on that offensive line of Georgia were really good players too. And South Carolina handed them their lunch. You know, unfortunately, they didn't hand a lot of other teams their lunch during that year, but uh, – that may not have all been on the defensive line. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Shane Beamer is inheriting a situation where there are holes in the roster. They definitely need to keep recruiting. They definitely need to keep upgrading. Definitely need to keep finding players. Definitely need to keep expanding the base. But there is a base of talent starting this year. And I don't know how many they're going to win this year. I, my only prediction is they're beating Eastern Illinois. And then after that, uh, you know, hopefully they beat East Carolina. I mean, I, I think that I'm not even going to talk about a, a final record prediction unless people really want me to. Uh, 
my only thing is they have a good shot at starting two and zero, and then you'll go from there. But there's enough young players on this team with COVID and with everybody getting a red shirt that you think in in one or two years, you know, they have a chance. You know, especially with a new voice and new attitude in the program, some new schemes, that kind of thing, especially the new defensive scheme. Um, you know, it just may take a year. But uh, how to turn it around, it, it, it's probably not, you know, based on the players on the roster now, it, it's probably not just, hey, you know, these recruits in this class are going to come save us. Uh, it's, an, it's a very different situation. Uh, than what Muschamp inherited and really what Steve Spurrier inherited too, um, which, you know, from Lou Holtz, I think 50% of the real difference makers ended up getting kicked off the team. Um, so that's the deal there. So we'll we'll see what happens there, and I appreciate it. And, Chris, you should probably come back uh, and follow recruiting. It, it's been fun. Uh, the fun is back, I, I believe, in, uh, as far as following Carolina football. Uh, and, you know, new coach, new regime. I think it took a little while for people to kind of shake off the cobwebs the last few years, and that's fine, uh, but it's a new deal. All right, so going to the iHelp Consulting mailbag inbox, Mitchell says, I have two questions for you. First, could you explain more what football camps, summer football camps are, and What's the criteria for kids being invited to these camps? For example, does USC have a children's summer football camp in addition to Shane Beamer holding camps for potential prospects? Yeah, they have what's called a youth camp. There's, you know, information about that uh, on South Carolina's website, the football website. Uh, He says, with this, could anyone in general just show up to a Gamecock summer football camp? Yes. Yes. My other question is in regards to official and unofficial visits. Are official visits basically prospects wearing team uniforms, touring the facility, meeting with coaches, and are unofficial visits just a regular student tour of the campus? No. Uh, I've seen uniforms and photo shoots on unofficials too. Uh, The only difference between unofficials and officials is when it's an official visit, the university can pay, they fly you in, they pay for your transportation and meals, lodging, all that good stuff unofficially you're just there they're still talking to you i think you can still do the photo shoot um that kind of thing um but the difference is who's paying for it with unofficial and official the reason why mitchell asked is because as a tour guide at my college sometimes we would get athletes who would take a regular college visit tour as their unofficial visit yeah i mean they do they'll go on that tour and then that's usually done unofficially to be honest you know you, you on officials you'll have an academic meeting and all that good stuff but it's it's more focused towards like one-on-one time with professors but the normal college tour yeah you can um you can do that you know um and look unofficial visits you you said as their unofficial visit you can take as many unofficial visits as you want it's not, it's not, you don't get like one and one. You, you get as many as you want. Uh, and camps are unofficial. I mean, you know, it, it's just you get one official, unlimited unofficials. He says, I know that Jessica Jackson is involved in, uh, involved in official and unofficial business, but I would have to assume that USC's admissions office plays a major role as well. Thank you for all you do. No, I don't know. I don't know what admissions does, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and I'm on, and I'm, I'm not going to comment further on that. Uh, I, I I would assume they would be involved. I know that like 
the folks that do the campus tours and stuff. And I don't think that's admissions necessarily. I know they're involved, you know, and they, uh, apparently they do a pretty good job. I, I had a, a friend from up in Illinois that, uh, their kid visited South Carolina. This is very first class, you know, the tour guide and all that kid ended up going to Tennessee, but um, it was more proximity to home and stuff like that. But they said it was really first class op, 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 you, uh, first class operation. All right. Question for the pod. If we lose Oscar Delp, that will be another kid that grew up a Gamecock fan, but didn't pick us. Do you know if this happens a lot to another schools or is it unique to the Gamecocks? Does this say anything about the loyalty of Gamecock fans? Keith, I, I don't I, I don't think it's very different because I think I think what happens is you, you talk to kids and, and look, I, I want to be honest. I, I, I don't know if I've misled somebody or something here on the podcast or somebody wrote something. I don't necessarily know if Oscar Delp grew up a Gamecock fan. Maybe when he was little, he and his mom, because his, his parents are like on the other that side's a Michigan family. And he grew up in Georgia. So, so he's not, I mean, it, it's really not like Christian Robinson and, and keep in mind, Christian Robinson was 15 years ago. Uh, where his dad played there and he grew up going to the games and ended up at Georgia. Cause he's a George ended up growing up in Georgia. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, prospects these days rarely end up, you know, where they're fans of it. And they're not fans like you and I, um, for example, uh, people always think that, you know, prospects show up for official visits and, They've got their gear on, and they do have gear on. And they're down on the sidelines. They're they're into the game, you know, all intense. And, and every play, every touchdown and stuff, they're cheering. No, they're not. They're usually, like, down on the sidelines for a meet and greet, watching the team warm up. And then they go back up to the zone and have a meal and chill out and talk to people. Um, they're not fans. And, and, and so people, you know – Sometimes people get toxic at games when the team's not performing well. And this is at South Carolina and everywhere else. But you always hear like, oh, man, the, the, the team's performance cost us that prospect. Man, he showed up and got our butts beat. And, no, you lost that prospect because you booed people and he probably overheard you dog cussing the players and coaches. That's the bottom line. Uh, they do not care. I mean, there are so many years – uh, back in South Carolina and Clemson, we're, you know, got Tommy Bowden, Lou Holtz, Steve Spurrier era, where, you know, Carolina would up and win the game. And, you know, then they'd think they were getting a player because they won. And then they'd end up going to Clemson and then vice versa. You know, it, it really does not matter to the prospects as much as it does the fans. It matters in different ways, but they're looking for is atmosphere. See, all recruiting is based on comfort level and comfort levels facilitated by a lot of things and relationships are the number one thing, but they're not the only thing. For example, Oscar Delp may have a better relationship with South Carolina than any other staff. Uh, he may feel that family connection with his grandparents there in Columbia. Uh, but he may also look at Georgia 
and go, all my friends from high school are going here. My buddy Gunnar Stockton is going to be throwing me some touchdown passes. And I'm not saying that's going to necessarily be true or not because the Stockton versus Vandergriff thing has to play out over time or whatever in Georgia. Um, I've been a Georgia boy most of my life and grown up here. Uh, it's in state, you know, it's close to home, closer to home than Columbia and they're in contention for a national championship. So, so when you weigh all those things, Delp's comfort level may be higher at Georgia, you know? And, and so that's the thing. So look, I, I, and, and I think too, that sometimes we in recruiting latch on to, he grew up a fan of this team and then we repeat it over and over and over again. And, and it, it, it's just not true once it gets down to nitty gritty. I mean, there's a lot of guys on South Carolina's roster that grew up loving Clemson. And there's a lot of guys on Clemson's roster that grew up loving South Carolina from within the state. I, I, you know, you, you look at Clemson's 2015-2016 um, teams with some of those guys, South Carolina could have had them. I mean, they just didn't offer them. So – uh, and I'm talking about the in-state guys. So, you know, the the fan element uh, of recruiting is interesting. And, and also, too, you're going through a staff transition right now. You know, Georgia's been in place for a while. Um, you know, I, it's like Dominic James if he goes to Ohio State. No, you know, it, it just happens. Now, all that said, South Carolina's in the mix for Oscar Delp. We're going to wait and see what happens. Uh, Gamecock staff feels good. They pulled out all the stops. So um, we'll see. He's a really good player, though, and, and that's the thing. So I hope I answered your question, Keith. Thank you so much for listening and for being a frequent emailer to the I Help Consulting mailbag. I appreciate that so much. Um, all right, guys. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to thank, again, Heritage Digital. Give Matt a call. Also, I help consulting. Give Daniel a call. I'm give you the numbers here very, very quickly. Matt Odom, Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. That's to fix your system. And then if you just want generally to save money on everything else, call or text Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713. Both Gamecock own and operated businesses and proud sponsors of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. And like I said yesterday, I think that's, I think two is the sweet spot for me and for you guys as far as the sponsorships go here uh, only inside the Gamecocks podcast. Now, if you have an announcement or something, like I said, Gamecock club meeting, you want to get out, something like that, let me know. Squeeze you in like 25 bucks, uh, special occasions. But uh, other than that, we're kind of full uh, at this point because I want to maintain the quality. Uh, I don't want to be able to, you know, give the advertisers special attention. All right. Big week of Gamecock recruiting coming up, along with July 4th. Uh, I still can't get my calendar right, you know, going through COVID last year with no baseball and stuff. I was, it was so weird. And now I'm like, I kind of feel like it's January, but uh, it's not, you know, just because of the recruiting activity. We will have a JC and Morgan scheduled to have Heather Denich from ESPN.com on uh, an episode that will drop later today, myself and Mike Morgan. Uh the last interview we had with Shane Beamer was good. Uh, go back in time. We've got an interview with Brad Nessler. You like, we've been very interview oriented um, during the off season. Uh, we'll get back to some of that hard hitting analysis, Mike and I during the season, but uh, that's the JC and Morgan 
College Football Podcast. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, same places you can get this one. Also, continue to rate us five stars. I saw a guy came in. Um, and um, rated us on June 15th. I appreciate that. Uh, so we'll see sort of uh, see sort of where things go um, moving forward. Uh, thank you. All right. Just got a text about Dominic James. Uh, could be decent news for the Gamecocks. Stay tuned. Um, this is J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>